Our scripture comes from Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, page 1830 in the Bench Bibles. Dave put some of Philippians 4 in the order of worship, so we're going to begin the reading at verse 10 and go from there through verse 13. Philippians 4, beginning at verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then our text, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. These are the very words of God. In June, I've been telling you a little of my past life with spiritual experiences. I do so again and for the last uh, time, being this personal maybe. When I was young, I grew up on a farm across the street from my grandpa Brinks's farm. I'd go over there early mornings and evenings to help him milk cows, which <laughs> when I was young meant just being there. And sometimes we'd talk. Grandpa told me about growing up. He grew up in Allendale, Michigan, grandson of Dutch immigrants who settled in Allendale. The family were members at First Allendale Church. My grandpa was one of, I believe, 10 or else 11 children, lots of children. And from time to time, his mother was pregnant or sick or both and couldn't go to church. Grandpa was assigned the duty of telling his mom what the sermon was about. And he said, there was a minister we had about 1910. Every one of his sermons I could summarize in one phrase. We must the Dutch language keep it. And there might be one or two of you who could put that back into the Dutch. I'm translating into English even. Grandpa said, some people were so negative about any church in English, and we had a few quitters when it went to English. And then he said, came the 1930s, and everybody had communion like we are today, except with a common cup. And people were learning that germs and sicknesses could be passed, so many churches started going to these little cups, individual cups. And Grandpa said, once again, in the church we were going to, we had all kinds of objections and some people who quit over the thing. He says, us Dutch folk can be too narrow, 
too stubborn sometimes, too uh, ignorant, and do more harm than good. That sometimes happens. I've had the same. When I was young, if I didn't pray thee and thou, which I didn't do once, you know, someone quit because of uh, embarrassing God and all that stuff. Uh, that's enough by way of examples to make the point I want to make that some people are just plain too negative. Now, if you're in business, you've seen it with customers. Some of you live in neighborhoods where you see it with some people in the neighborhood, too, and on and on, but enough said. When I was in high school, about 11th grade, I was of the opinion that we had too many negative people in churches. I remember one more thing here. My dad invited someone to our church possibly become a member, new in the neighborhood. The family came. They came early. They sat in the back seat. Someone else, a member, came to church and saw that what he thought was his seat was filled. So in a loud huff, he said, that's my seat. Someone else is sitting there. I'm going home. You know, that type of thing. Um, but anyway, here I am in 11th grade, and I see too much negativism, and probably with young people, the negativism stands out. All of a sudden, then, I discovered Norman Vincent Peale, the Reverend Norman Vincent Peale, the positive thinker. Interesting man. He was pastor at Marble Collegiate Church in New York City uh, from the 1930s on. He also, at Marble Collegiate, Reformed Church, RCA, to those of you who are familiar with those designations, uh, gave him summers off. Him and his wife went to England in the summer of, I believe it was 1934, and he was moping about how hard it was to be a minister in New York. And his wife said to him, Norman, are you a converted Christian? Yes. Well, it certainly didn't take in your life. You better go back and act like a Christian in the fall. And Norman, are you under the circumstances about our church? Yeah. Well, you've got to get above the circumstances. Let's get over this negativism and get positive. And Peel did become positive. His church succeeded. In fact, he wrote the book, The Power of Positive Thinking, which was the best-selling book in the United States in the 1950s. Um, and after Peel came Robert Schuller, who called the same thing as Peel preached, possibility thinking, but same category. And now today we have the uh, Joel Osteens and others. The question is, what do you make of positive thinking? I happen to think that there are some things about positive thinking that many of us would do well to imitate and think much more positively. Now, I also 
don't want to be called a positive thinker in the same camp as Peel and, and Schuler for various reasons. The biggest one is that um, non-Christians can be positive thinkers. Positive thinking may contribute toward a better Christianity, but it's not uniquely Christian. There's a PMA, positive mental attitude, secular group out there too. So I won't evaluate the movement in depth. But what I am going to do now is take you to their favorite text, which I've really struggled with. Uh, the favorite text, at least one of the favorites, and in my judgment, the favorite text, of positive thinkers is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay. Already in high school, I looked at this text and carefully. There was a time when I didn't even care to go to high school basketball games because I was reading everything Norman Vincent Peale wrote. My mother said, that doesn't seem normal, a 12th grader reading ministers instead of going to basketball games, but I went through that stage. But at any rate, looking at Philippians 4, 12, or I'm sorry, 13 here, I, I really struggled with the positive thinker's approach to the text in these ways. The text begins... I. Now, I was already aware then as I am now that the big sin that one word can describe as humanism, the big I, love me above all, not God above all, and neighbor as self. Or as Eve put it in Genesis 3, when she saw the fruit was good, a delight to the eyes, to make one wise, she made the decision to take of the fruit, which was also a decision to disobey God. So therefore, I, doing all things, can make a person very capable of doing sin. Every time I read about the big I, me, my in the Bible, I read about sin. Eve, for example... Nebuchadnezzar, is not this the great Babylon? I have built the rich fool in Luke 12. I will tear down my barns. I will build bigger barns. I will say to my soul, take your ease, eat, drink, be married. There's something about the I above God that isn't right. And Philippians 4.13 can be misread, in my opinion, to where the I becomes the primary word. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Set aside I as the primary word in the text, and then look at it again. I can do. Okay. That's about a can-do attitude. Sounds to me like a good idea to people who have a can't-do, can't-do attitude. But then I can do everything. Well, the writer of Philippians 4.13, the Apostle Paul, couldn't do everything. For example, he had a thorn in the flesh that he couldn't pray hard enough to get healed. 
He also was in jail when he wrote to the Philippians here. Once when he was in jail at Philippi at midnight when he was singing hymns with his companion, a miracle happened and they were freed and the Philippian jailer was converted. But now later he's in jail again and he didn't get himself out of jail seemingly, couldn't get himself out of jail. And there were other things he couldn't do. And there are things you and I can't do. We can't, for example, jump over the moon. I can do everything. Now, when you're interpreting the Bible, the context is all important. A, a text without a context is a pretext. And I'll go through the text in just a minute again and show you what every word refers to. But let me finish here. Uh, misreading the text is, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Let me suggest to you that this text, and most texts, I think, have a key word. This text is not like kind of a downhill slide. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. But instead, this text is an uphill thing. I can do everything, come back to it in a minute, through him. The high point of the text is through him. And the rest of the text is about what him, whose God does, who gives me strength. Okay, that by way of a general reading of the text. Now let's go through it carefully. Uh, because I wouldn't ever want to suggest that my problems with the way some positive thinkers read the text means the text doesn't say anything worth saying. Not at all. So back to our text for a minute. I, and here the I is the Christian. And the Christian, of course, is the one who confesses faith in God. Our confession of faith form in this church is just beautiful. Do you declare that you love the Lord? Meaning, are you loyal to the Lord and promise to continue steadfastly? Continue and steadfastly, that is, be faithful and diligent in your confession. That's who the text is talking about. And the same Christian loves God above all and neighbor as self. And love here is not the wishy-washy romantic word that, uh, that it's become in our time. Love means loyalty to and faithfulness to. As when you marry and say you promise to love your wife or husband till death do you part. Loyalty too. So that's who we're talking about here. I and then can do. I would suggest that the can do part of this text ought to function strongly in all of our lives. can do 
ought to be the Christian sort of default, not can't do the default. Can do should make us predominantly positive Christians, not negative Christians. Now, life is complex. There are times when we cry. There are times when, we sad, when we're sad. There are times when we lament, like in the Psalms of Lament. I don't want to uh, suggest any kind of denial here. But the normal Christian life, the default Christian life, should be what the Apostle is talking about here. I can do everything through him who gives me the strength. Now, we are unwise if we think can do means trust and self. See, that's what I'm warning you against. For example, the movie film from 1930, The Little Engine That Could by Waddy Piper. I think I can, I think I can, I think I have a plan, and I can do almost anything if I only think I can. <laughs> Where's God in that little engine that could? Um, we got here some fantasy. Um, and there are other examples that could be given to another movie song. <laughs> I believe for every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. I believe somewhere in the darkest night a candle glows. I believe for everyone who goes astray, someone will come to show the way. I believe. I believe. That's faith and faith. The little engine that could is, is, is trust in self. And the movie song, I believe, is faith in faith. It's not what our text is saying by can do. But nonetheless, can do is in the text and ought to be the normal Christian life, it seems. Now, back to the text. I can do everything. Remember what we said about a text without a context is a pretext. What is the word everything referring to here? Go back to the previous verses, 12 and 13. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. All right? I can do when I'm in need, and I can do when I have plenty. Reading again, I have learned the secret of being content. I can do because I know the secret of being content in any and every situation. The newer, New International Version, by the way, translates this text much better. Sadly, in this case, the King James and those that follow it lack a little bit in the translation. I can do what needs to be done, would be one way that you can translate it. And then comes the key phrase in the text, through him. I suggest that through him is the highlight of the text. And if we understand the through him and really understand it and live it, 
then we've got the meaning of the text in front of us. So what does it mean that I can do everything through him? Well, the through him refers to God, and God is the Almighty One. And so therefore, I can do all things through the Almighty One. His strength becomes my strength. His strength helps me to do what I need to do, even when what I need to do is difficult to do and sad to do. Lord's Day 9 of our Catechism says it well, asking, what do you believe when you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? And then the last part of that answer is, he is, well, I better go back a paragraph. I trust him so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul, and he will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this sad world. What a statement. And then, he's able to do this because he's almighty God. He desires to do this because he's a faithful father. When you say, I can do all things through him who gives me the strength then, you are confessing that you have an almighty God and that almightiness of God himself is on your side as a Christian. If you really believe that, you can take a can-do attitude if you're in jail in Philippi or if you are living the life you're living now. So through him means, first of all, through almighty God. And then it means through the God of all providence. Joseph in the Old Testament. One of the most sad situations you can imagine as a human. And yet he understood that God was almighty and God was providing. And he said to his brothers in Genesis 50, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring to pass, as it were, to save many people alive. See, you're saying, I can do all things through almighty God and through the God of all providence, and the God whose providence also extends to me, and also extends to me in my adversities, and my sorrows, and my defeats, and all of the negative stuff in my life. I can do all things through him. And then later, still in high school this came to me, Ephesians 3.20. Listen to this text a minute. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work at work within us. Wow! I think Ephesians 3.20 gives us much help with Philippians 4.13. I can do all things, I'm repeating a little bit on purpose, through him, almighty God, the God of all providence, and almighty God who in his providence will not meet my needs minimally but maximally. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. 
That means that even if you pray and ask God for help and neediness, and please do, even when you pray to God for help, God is hearing there, God is hearing and answering prayer, and he just may do something above and beyond what you imagine he even possibly could do. That's Philippians 3.20. Then I'm going to add a fourth thing to Almighty Providence and above and beyond, and it's this. Grace all-sufficient. Now, God's grace is God's goodness to us. It's an incredible thing, that day-by-day goodness of God to us. Some say grace is God's favorable attitude. Others say mercy is his favorable actions. Okay, maybe so. Best definition I've ever come up with right there. But God's grace. And we also sometimes speak of this or that kind of grace. For instance, grace for today. Grace for every situation. Grace for dying. I do believe that when God calls us to die, he gives us grace, added grace, for dying. We have a song that says it well. Let me quote the relevant stanza here. Two of them, actually. It's uh, how firm a foundation. Stanza two, fear not, I am with you, O be not dismayed, for I am your God, I will still give you aid. And then stanza four, when through fiery trials your pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be your supply. That's our God, folks. And then the rest of the verse, who gives me strength? You may rely on the God, almighty, providential, who can do above and beyond what you think or imagine and has all sufficient grace for you too to give you strength to face what you need to face. Yes, it's a great text. (laughs) Philippians 4.13. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we will be positive Christians and we will live life affirming Philippians 4.13. Amen.